So, Jeff, Adam, are are you guys particularly superstitious when it comes to sports? Uh, it's not that I'm superstitious, but if if something specific happens, I, I it has to happen before the next game too if it's a win. But that, that's not superstitious. That's just facts. I I'm not normally superstitious, but I think if uh, in sports I'm more superstitious uh, that way than I am anywhere else. So I had to have this talk and explain to my son how it works. Uh, when uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we were watching New England on the Wednesday night, my son decided he wanted to play with some toys on our coffee table. And uh, so I had to switch seats to make sure that he wasn't blocking me. And I told him, if things went the wrong way, we're going to have to switch back. And he didn't really understand. So I told him the story of being in college. I had a roommate who was a huge Duke Blue Devil basketball fan. We were watching a game on a Saturday evening. Duke was behind, not playing very well. And my roommate stood up and dropped his pants. And being good uh, roommates, me and the other guys in the hall who were watching the game also stood up, dropped our pants. And Duke came back and won that game. So facts are facts. We we had our pants around our ankles. Duke had the comeback and got the win. These are all facts. I don't think there's much superstition about it. You just got to do what you got to do as long as the team wins, right? I am so glad that you haven't had that happen while watching a Red Wolves game. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right. Welcome to. Season 2, Episode 21 of Soccer Chat. We are brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Go to bgn.fm for awesome USL and MLS and other soccer-type podcasts, as well as fantastic written content. We are also brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Tonight, back by popular demand, is Wolfman Jeff. Jeff, thanks for ha- coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And hopefully I'll get to stick around this time. And, uh, of course, back despite popular demand is uh, myself and Adam. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back where I uh, don't belong, so thanks for that. <laughs> so, Tuesday afternoon... Um, I don't know. There, there weren't any lights in the stadium, so it was hard for me to see. Jeff, you were watching at home. Did you happen to see the final score of that game between the Red Wolves and Omaha? Well, I, um, I can't admit I was watching it because I was at work, but I was certainly listening to it in the corner of my eye. May have caught uh, a certain score uh, that we were uh, two, and I think the other number was zero. No, and it- defeating. No, I hate to tell you this, but we learned at the stadium the actual other number was Neil. So, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, two nil, two nil. Sorry. Fantastic win, um, against Omaha. Very good feeling. Now we had talked a little bit about Omaha being slightly overrated. They've had kind of an easy schedule, really, in the. Eight games they've played. They've played two games against people who are not in the bottom four. 
Um, but this game was not necessarily just a walk away. I mean, Omaha had chances. They had one go off the post. There was a fantastic one-on-one save by Alex Mangles and a few other chances. So, Adam, what do you think of the game? So, ultimately, um, it was, you know, it was a very chippy, very uh, heated game. Um, but I never, like, yeah, there was the ball off the off the crossbar, and there was a great one-on-one save by Alex. But ultimately, like, I didn't walk away from that game feeling like we stole a win. I felt like it was a well-earned win. And I felt like, in all honesty, I felt there were some missed opportunities where we weren't seeing certain players out on the wing, especially uh, a number of times where, you know, I saw Dietrich get start to make a run, and I'm, like, yelling, like, see him, see him, because there was a lot of play play that was given to us that we didn't take advantage of. And so it could have been even more than two, nothing. And I just felt like it was a safe, comfortable win, which was a nice feeling. So yeah, I, I never go ahead, Jeff. I, I never felt that uh, we were in any kind of threat uh, that uh, we were going to lose the match. Yeah. They had some, some, some good moves, but they were so focused on trying to contain us in particularly Ricky and Ricketts that that opened up things in the middle. So that was, um, they were, uh, they were on the back heel. We were on the front foot. So I kind of agree with your impression. I never, I don't, you know, I wasn't feeling a pit in my stomach worried that this was a a lead that was going to slip away. Um, It was the sort of thing where you were really just kind of hoping that they would pour on the gas and score one or two more and really, really pound it home emphatically. Um, but there was a lot of really deft passing, some good holding in the middle of the field where Omaha was trying very hard to to pressure and force bad turnovers. And those just didn't happen very often. Um, they were doing a good job of getting themselves set up and passing out of pressure, even if they weren't necessarily, um, you know, springing each other on big runs to try to have an end to end type of match. So I would agree with that. Um, what kind of thoughts did you guys have as far as the lineup that was put out on the field? Was there anything that surprised you? Anything that was that you thought was kind of weird? I don't think anything weird. I uh, seeing that Hearst was available was a delight. I think I had hoped that Markey was going to start, but it was pretty much the same lineup uh, that we had at Richmond. Uh, so, um, so that's that was fine. But seeing Hearst on there, I, it was. Uh, a delight and it worked last time so it was i felt a lot more confident i think a, a week or two weeks ago with that lineup i would have been nervous but they have come together very much so in the past week and a half where these other uh pieces are are really completing their game and uh so i was quite pleased and of course tanner dietrich has come a long way with us and gelling with us in the past week you know, the only thing I would say that surprised me was I don't understand the logic in keeping Pato and Beatty and Hurst all on the bench to start. I'm surprised one of them wasn't starting in all this, probably in place of Rowe, because I think Rowe is a very good um, guy to bring off the bench because of his speed at the second, in the second half. Uh, that's probably the biggest surprise to me is, is what the, feel for the need to have all three of those guys, even though I know probably none of them can play more than a half or maybe 60, 60 minutes of a game. I, I just felt like one of them would have been starting, but overall uh, you, you can't, you can't knock a lineup that's, that's knocked off the, 
formerly number three and number two teams um, prior to this uh, two-game stretch, and it, it, it's worked. So the coach knows what he's doing. So it took a little bit of time, but there has been um, a lot of expansion in who's scoring goals for the team. We, you know, we had Tanner Dietrich scoring his second, his second straight game with a goal, and R- Ricardo Zacharias getting uh, a really good breakaway dribbling in, getting inside of a defender and beating the keeper to the near post. Um, yeah. And uh, and so we're starting to get that spread around out now. We've got three or four guys that have multiple goals on the score sheet. And um, so now you're not necessarily forced to take guys coming back from injury like BD and Marky Hernandez and Greg Hurst and put them in the lineup because you're not sure where the goals are going to come from. Um, and I think that's going to help us when we get down the road to Greenville. Um, so what uh what else do you guys think about what we've seen as far as this attack developing through the season we're now we're now six games left well i've seen an improvement uh one of the improvements i want to point out is ricardo zacharias because um he has he he could finish he's got some seals but he had some issues connecting with the rest of our side and kind of being there at the right moment and this last match he was there. His speed was ramped up, and he was flying through there. Actually, I think uh, I was listening to it again, and I and they thought it was Roe. He was moving so um, so fast. Uh, so that was uh, he's making some great improvements, and that's great to see. I think the one thing that we'll look back on the previous four or five games and say has been a a blessing in disguise is injuries that we've sustained or that we've been slowly coming back back from have forced us to look at other players as options more than just Greg Hurst, which I think overall as we come down the stretch is going to really play well in our hands. and really turns us into a very deep attacking team as those players start getting healthy. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, you had three pretty decent attacking players were the substitutions that came off the bench in B.D. Hurst and uh, Patrick Oconquo. And you just think about having all of those at your disposal to start a game. Um, and, you know, if if we could have a healthy Ami Pineda as well and just what the possibilities oh. are and how exciting it would be uh, to watch the attacking pressing soccer that uh, Jimmy Obleda wants to pursue. Um, it it really is exciting. Um, one of the other things that's fun is you've talked about Ricky kind of uh, or Richie is the nickname. Uh, Ricardo Zacharias getting on the same page some, um, and just a lot of so you, Adam, you talked about it being a chippy game. Um, you know when when one of these guys got taken down, um, you know there was a lot of uh, people coming to their defense. We had a couple different times where there was a little bit of uh, scuffles and guys you know chattering. And Red Wolves players having their back, um, and it was pretty amazing when you think about Jimmy Obleda coming to this team, bringing four players who had grown up playing in his youth system, and you know they're they're all regularly starting um, guys that are coming from uh, last season and uh, the other players that they've brought in. There, you know, it felt like it could easily turn into kind of a toxic chemistry situation but you really see these guys embrace and play for each other and you know I think back to Tanner Dietrich's first game uh, against Tormenta with a bad foul and he's already in the face of someone defending his teammate 
Um, I think that uh, that growth in that chemistry, you really see it when you watch these guys off the field as well as on it. Yeah, it looked like it, it could get hot really quick, almost like League One Twitter. So let me ask this, because you talk <laughs> about the chippiness and you talk about it got hot real quick. Um, one of the things that I saw um, posted, I don't know if it was League One Fun or if it was League One Unfiltered, one of the League One overall focused podcasts that's out there. Uh, stated that they wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ricky Ruiz ends up um, suspended for the push that basically knocked their player down because he pushed him. And then he it, ha- it was like a comedy routine because Beatty was on the ground right behind the guy. And so he fell to the ground. What do you guys think? Do you think that's worthy of a of a suspension? No, I don't. The Omaha player, of course, was one that got in. I think he had shoved someone over before Ricky came in or, you know, I mean, there there was a lot. I've not had a chance to rewatch it and see everything that happened, um, but it was there was a lot of things going on. I saw an elbow get thrown. Uh, fans were uh, were pretty vocal and uh, Omaha players were mean mugging to the crowd, um, which was pretty funny considering they were two nil down. To Neil, excuse me, um, but you know there was there was a lot of chaos, and I, I just you know there was a hard foul, and there was another couple pushes, and I, I mean I I think you just kind of move on. Well, I saw that Beatty immediately got up and apologized because he was on the ground and trying to make sure that guy understood it, that was that was a fluke accident. Yeah, because that's definitely what it looked like. It looked like he had like yeah. gotten behind him for the push. It was right out of like a a classic like 20 silent film comedy. It was pretty funny. No, I don't think anything's going to happen with that. I mean, if it is, it, it needs to be announced fairly soon. Cause of course this game's coming up in two days. And, uh, and if he's not going to be available, the Red Bulls need to know that before they turn in their lineup. Well, all right. So let's, let's talk about that game as we start moving towards um, this third game of the homestand third game versus your top four uh, or involving the top four teams in the league. Um, what are your thought, initial thoughts, Alex, going into Greenville? You know, you look back on the game that we played in Greenville, uh, where you feel like had had the offense been clicking like it is right now, that's a game that we probably walk away with three points because um, we had created tons of opportunities and just could not finish them. Um, none of these previous games, uh, Greenville, their their last five that they've played, they've won. Uh, I believe they've won four and they lost one. Uh, nothing has really been too much separation. They had a two two nil win over forward Madison. Uh, then the other games have all been one goal games. So they're going to play it tight and close. And I think that's what this game is going to be like. Um, but I I think now we've got the talent to break through on a superb goalkeeper like Dallas J, uh, especially on home field with the fans behind them. Yeah, well, I think uh, D- Dallas J against Alex Mangles is a clash of the titans a lot of us are looking forward to. But on the offense, they've got some really interesting um, attack. Uh, Jake Keegan, obviously, uh, Lachlan McLean, which is a name that sounds like a supervillain. But uh, <laughs> the one I think you really got to keep an eye on is Alex Morrill because he is – Morrell is going to be coming in and he he makes things happen. Uh, so that's a that's a, a player we so need to contain. Let, that when you look at these really teams quick. and you look at the way that they're built, I, I think it's safe to say that Greenville is more built towards 
wanting to have those one nothing, two one type victories where their defense is what stands out. And Obleda is more built towards he wants to have a shootout. He wants to go out and beat you three one, three two, like get a lot of goals if he can. And you can see it in just the, the amount of goals that we score as a team just to begin with. I, and I think that's going to be the interesting thing here is do we have enough offense to overcome their stout defense? And, you know, I, I think we can just go ahead and say it. Dallas J, if not, if he's not the best keeper, then it's Alex Mangles. Like it's number one versus number two in goalkeeping. And so it's going to take more than just some of these, honestly, some of these scores that we've had lately versus some not quite as strong keepers. I think that I don't think we get that inside shot that Zacharias had against Dallas J. I just don't. And so do we do we have the firepower to win it? I personally think unless we're going to see more of Hurst and more of Beattie, it's going to be a lot closer than than we want it to be. So it, that's my biggest fear is are Hurst healthy enough? Have we saved enough energy to bring those guys in for more than just 20 minutes? And if I if they are, I think we can get the way victory. I think the key is going to be uh, some of our players that just uh, can cut open the other side. Marky, I want Marky to start. Uh, Ricky, you you get these players who, who create openings, who create chances, and they just don't have time to respond. If those guys are on their air again, then yes, we're going to be seeing goals from our, uh, our top uh, forwards. But those two in particular – if they are on, I don't think that Greenville has a way to respond. <clears throat> I think when you look at how this last game was managed with the talent that was brought off the bench, didn't play you know, a full match, you're, I think you're looking at them trying to set up to have these guys fresh and ready to go with a, with a short turnaround for Saturday. Uh, so I think you're going to see uh, you know, a front three of Greg Hurst, Richie Zacharias, Marky Hernandez, Stephen Beattie playing in the midfield behind them supporting. Um, and then you still have a talented, you have talented attackers like Ro Pineda and uh, Patrick Aconquo that can come off the bench. Well, and I think, Alex, I think you're outlining something that, you know, Coach Obleda has kind of mentioned. He actually is quoted in the uh, Chattanooga article about this five games in 14 days. And, you know, he is, he is not a fan of it by any stretch of the imagination. And so um, his actual statement is it's unacceptable for the well-being of the players and their health to do that. But it is what it is. And we have to deal with it. We have more, more games in the tank and we have a couple of days off. We're going to find a way to keep going and we're going to do it. Five games in 14 days as of Saturday is – he's accurate, absolutely right. That is a ridiculous amount of games in a two-week time span. And, and yet we have thrived in that situation. Uh, but it does uh, it does put us in a uh, precarious situation for injuries. But it's it's remarkable to see how well we have played when we've been pushed so so much. And I think the players that you need to call out for that are Jonathan Ricketts and Ricky Ruiz, who mm. have played every minute of it, right? And the defense has yeah. held. And both of those guys have had very big defensive plays during the, the games that we've had up till now. And I think you're going to continue to see a similar back four. I think we're starting to settle in. Early on, there was a bit more of a rotation in the season. I think we're starting to settle into a set lineup on the back there. 
but speaking of lineups specifically, Alex, what what are you predicting that we put out there this this week or this Saturday? Well, I think you're right. I think the the back line that you see is what you're going to get, um, and it it is a testament to uh, Ricky Ruiz and Jonathan Ricketts uh, with a very physically demanding role that they have to play running that outside channel um, and playing that whole field um, that they're able to do that over this short period of time, this many games. Um, I think they're still going to be the ones out there. I think you're still going to see uh, Leo Fala and Jason Ramos. Um, I think Tanner Dietrich and Josue Soto and uh, Walefi are going to be in your midfield. Uh, Steven Beatty. Wait, I'm missing. I'm miscounting. I think we're going to have, we're going to, <laughs> so you probably see Josue, Josue Beatty, and Wally, right? That's what I said. Well, you said Tanner Dietrich. Tanner, okay. So I guess maybe you would take Connor and Wally off. You're going to have Steven Tanner and Josue Soto as your midfield, and then that front three that I talked about with Greg Hurst, Marky Hernandez and uh, Richie Zacharias. Well, the thing that we're not 100% sure on is how healthy are our, our previously injured players. And if they're fully ready to go, and, I, and it looks like Markey is, I think Markey back on is going to be critical, put Roe back onto the bench. Uh, I'd love to see Beatty start. I have a feeling he's going to have pulled him back as an impact player, and uh, but put Hurst in for Zacharias. And uh, that way, swap out Doyle and Beatty in the second half. So I'm going to agree with you here, Jeff. I think what Beatty brings that I think a lot of people lose sight of, including myself, is he he was a defender at Cork City, right? So yeah, yeah. he's got this ability that if we're up, he knows how to play the defensive role. If we're down, he knows how to push it. And so I'm expecting – or and would be shocked if it's not that case that he's on the bench for that very purpose. Cause he can be a little bit more of a, of a wild card on how he gets utilized by the coach. And I think you're right. I think Marky does get the start um, in place of Roe. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised though, if we also see Hurst, I think Hurst injury was very much a, a smaller injury than I think at least myself, I was worried about um, because he didn't look like he was struggling at all. He wasn't worried about um, the, the hamstring or the quad or whatever it was that he had wrapped up on his upper leg the other day. And he looked like he was able to run full speed. So I would expect him to be back out there. Um, so I, I think those are going to be your two big changes coming in. Or is going to be both Hurst and Markey. Well, I think if you were wanting to hold back for the next big match, this is the next big match. So uh, and we and we have a week off, I think, after after this week. So this is what you've been building up for. So I would put it all on the table. Uh, but I do think Beats Beats is going to be on uh, in the second half. All right. Well, that brings us to one of my favorite sections of our show, and that is the the painful predictions. And you know, we're going to let our guests go first here. What's your prediction for the final score of the game versus Greenville? Yeah, I've been looking at this, and uh, I am going to go for a 2-1 Red Wolves. Uh, I would love to see another 2-0, uh, nil, uh, but uh, they're just uh, – I've got to give some respect uh, to uh, 
Greenville there. So two, one. All right. Well, I guess I'll go next and I am thinking uh three to two for so the you, red wolves. So you've got the shootout basically. Wow. I have a little bit more goal scoring, but I still think that, um, you know, that it's going to be kind of back and forth and Greenville is going to keep it tight. All right. So I'm going one zero mm. and I'm even going to predict our goal scorer and I have Red Bulls winning at one nothing. And I have Jono getting his first goal of the season <laughs> in front of all his Brian fans uh, in the second half when we're coming towards the supporter section on a corner kick. That is. My very detailed, painful prediction: one nothing victory. Wow, that's like a it's like it's a, a made for TV movie right there. That's awesome. When uh, we're gonna take a break here, and when we come back, we've got some uh, interesting news in the world of American soccer, and take a look at uh, what's going on over in uh, in England as well. Uh, stick around, and uh, we'll be right back. I tell you, that ad reader gets handsomer and handsomer every time I listen to him. Yeah, I'm changing the ad to me just so I can enjoy that comment so much more. <laughs> mm, it's not awkward. So welcome back, everyone. It's not awkward at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. Well, we have got big news on the soccer Twitters uh, and actually officially announced about Oakland Roots moving from NISA to USL Championship for the 2021 season. And uh, what are your thoughts on another pretty... Uh, respected club and uh, another really decent market in the uh, Bay Area coming to USL. So I'll, I'll start. Um, I, my initial thought is, you know, this is kind of a, a almost a, a no brainer for them. So they have they started in the fall of 2019. I believe, or the spring. No, they started this. They started the spring of 2000. It's the fall, right? Anyways, so whatever they, they started, like a year and a half. Ago. The team started up. They announced themselves in 2018. So it's been coming up on two and a half years since they were announced and we're going to be starting up. And the fact of the matter is, they've played ten total games, ten. And if I'm them. I'm looking for a league that's going to allow me to play more than the limited amount of games I'm getting from NISA. In fact, so much so that NISA this this fall, and granted, COVID does affect a lot of this, but they only have three teams that are even rotating and playing each other, two of which are in LA for Oakland. And that's just not going to cut it. Um, and the teams that they're announcing that are going to be joining are not on the West Coast, right? The only teams, the farthest west that they go is this new Chicago team that was also announced by NISA. Um, that's going to be run by Peter Wilt. And that's exciting news for them. But if you're Oakland, do you remember that we're out here, right? Um, and 
I, I think that that's a no brainer for them. Also, I'm pretty confident they got in. They got the, yeah. the sweetheart deal that um, I think that Chattanooga was offered to a point of not paying the full uh, fee that CFC looked at and said, no, thank you. And I think, I think Oakland was like, oh, I can buy the, the, the USL East Bay franchise that's never come into play. I can buy into that using that. And I think they got in for a lot cheaper than other USL teams have, which I don't know that for a fact, but they would be announcing it if it was the full amount, right? At least that's what it feels like to me. So I think it's a no-brainer. And I think all these people that are upset about it are just not really looking at it from a standpoint of what's best for the Oakland roots. And what's best for them is to have two opponents within three hours of them, to have 16 opponents on the West Coast in the West Coast Western Division. That's a no-brainer. And I think it's a smart move, not only for Oakland, but for USL as a whole. Yeah, it's uh... – I think it's a good move for them. Um, I think, uh, isn't that where uh, Navarro went to, who uh, kind of maybe sort of played with us last year? Uh, but Yeah, he's uh, he's in witness protection, <laughs> and no one was supposed oh, to know that he signed sorry. with Oakland Roots, sorry. Jeff. So, you, yeah, now he's going to have to change teams again. Thank, thanks for he, that. Uh, now, the only, <laughs> from looking at it, I only see a couple of matches that they played this year, and uh, they won one and drew one. But last year, they didn't have a really good season. They had uh, no, no wins in the fall and only one win in the spring, and that spring uh, season got canceled. So uh, they've only played uh, – there were, uh, yeah, eight matches last year and two this year. So it's uh, – but they – I think you guys are right. The opportunity there for um, championship is, uh, I think, a, a good match for them. and. Uh, Good on them, and we'll see what happens with Roots. So the other USL, the other USL news that I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that I that's been rumored out there, and it's not, not there's an official thing with it, but it appears FC Tucson may be looking at changing ownership and pulling away from being Phoenix Rising. Have you guys seen that at all? Uh, a little bit, of course. I I like Rising, so I kind of keep uh, paying attention to that. But if they have any um, how do I word this? If they want to progress, which no one has moved from League One to Championship yet, but if anyone does, it's you know it'd be difficult when you're a two side. Are they talking about just going independent or uh, having an affiliation somewhere else? No. So my understanding is they're looking at basically becoming an, a fully independent team with their own ownership outside of Phoenix Rising uh, and, and staying in League yeah. One, but uh, kind of separating away from being the the reserve team for USL championship, which is a very interesting thing because they're really the only USL championship team in the reserve team. So uh, it's just an interesting development that, that recently has been not necessarily announced, but has been rumored on, on a number of uh, sites and, and not just like random people on Twitter. The announcer for Phoenix Rising had a post about it on his feed. So it's very interesting. Mm. Uh, I doesn't seem like something that's that much of a shock it's it's hard to tell how tightly knit the two of them really have been since tucson entered tucson is uh you know it's pretty decent size for a usl city uh to have its own following and so to just kind of let it be its own thing i'm sure there's still a relationship there that if they want to get players loaned from phoenix rising which I don't know why you wouldn't want to. They they're a very competitive uh, program that's got good players. 
Um, you know, I think I think they are able to make a go of it in a place like Tucson. Um, you, I wish that there was more League One teams out west to help those guys kind of operate themselves. I wonder if that's what Phoenix is wanting to kind of get away from. Is they're having to pay full freight for this club in in League One that basically has to spend all of its time flying out east yeah, to play games? Yeah, I think that's something that USL as a whole needs to address. They can't just leave Tucson on an island like they have for the most part. I mean. Even with the the new clubs that are that are going to be coming in or that are rumored to be coming in, it's still not getting close enough. I mean, they really have to seriously look at getting a team, you know, somewhere out there. But the fact is, there's just not a lot of space. Like you've already got a team in El Paso, right? You've already got a team in Phoenix. You've already got a team in San Diego, in Orange County. Like, where are you even going to put a USL League One team that wouldn't still be a long drive? Because Tucson's at the very bottom of arizona so it's not like it's going to be close to to anywhere else i mean las vegas has a usl championship team so that's the part that to me like there's not a lot for them that would be close by well there's really nowhere out west that's close but there i think you could still get some more west coast based teams uh you could look at somewhere like boise i think they've talked about a lot uh is an up-and-coming town and even somewhere a college town like eugene oregon I think would do if you look at the success that somewhere like Statesboro or somewhere like Madison has had, um, I think putting that kind of uh, soccer club in a town like that would go really well. Well, I think what you have alluded to, there's an issue where uh championship has so many sides and they've got the West covered so much. And uh, league one is such a small league and there's not much out there. So there's not a lot of room as far as for any, yeah, you mentioned Boise. You know how far Boise is from Tucson? It's it's well, like yeah, us. Boise is far from everything. Rex, <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying is there are some great markets that would uh, you would think would work well with Tucson because I've seen them play uh, minor league baseball. I've seen them play a lot of other sports, but they are pretty well saturated with championship. So if you. That's kind of the elephant in the room is at one point, are we going to see a movement from championship to U.S. League One and movement from League One up? It probably needs to go the other way because uh, League One is a very small league at this time. Yeah, and when we get back to we talked about last week with the, you know, the hourglass shape of uh, of what USL has, and uh, and that's kind of where its limitation is. They need to find a way to smooth and even some of that out. Um, and adding more teams, I don't think, is completely the way to do that. I don't know. We'll have to see where that goes. Yeah. All right. So let's let's go a little bit away from American soccer and head over and take a look at what's going on um, right now in uh, European soccer, and specifically in the English Premier League, got started up. Um, I for one had a pretty darn good opening weekend. Uh, how the rest of you guys feel? I, I was I was quite quite happy. I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> guys' biggest surprise of the weekend in the EPL. I want to say Leeds uh, getting uh, so close at Liverpool. I think it was end up being four three, and uh, that was a shock. Big surprise right there. 
Yeah, I would have to agree. I don't I don't looking at, you know, the the scores, I don't see anything. I think really the other biggest surprise was just how unbelievably handsome Fulham's head coach was. Um he looked like a model for some kind of really really expensive English tailor. So, since you guys aren't going to say it, I'm going to say like I was surprised that Tottenham opened up with the loss. Um, and that's from an yeah. Arsenal fan standpoint. No one is surprised that you're dogging on no, Tottenham. No, well, however. I'm not even dogging on them. I'm saying it's surprising that they would lose that game. You would think that they could, you know, handle themselves versus Everton, but maybe they they really are, you know, going to continue their their downward trajectory that they've presented the last couple of years. Well, it's again, it's just the, it's one match. I was watching that match because. Uh, Matt Doherty, I wanted to see how well he fit into Tottenham. And to be honest, he plays a lot better for Wolves. Uh, so I kind of had a little schadenfreude <laughs> there. But uh, I was surprised as well. I don't think anyone had picked Everton to win that match. But I don't think it's as surprising as the the performance that Leeds had against Liverpool. Uh, the other thing that didn't surprise me at all was Jeff being in first place in our EPL Pick'em League. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even though I think I did pick Everton beating Tottenham. So I'll give <laughs> myself a pat on the back for that. It was, uh, and uh, am, am I gloating? Yes, I'm absolutely gloating about this. I, I don't have a lot going on in my <laughs> life right now. So this is what I'm holding on to. And I believe, uh, I think if I can guess his handle on here, uh, it says it could be worse. That sounds so Adam. That has to be Adam. And uh, <laughs> uh, 7.5. And then A40, which is Alex Fortney, obviously, a 9. And then Soccer in the South. Did anyone catch what the number that was? It was uh, 12.5. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I've dug a bit of a hole. And you're correct, I am. It could be worse. I do want to say my name <laughs> is accurate for our group because there's one person, 0.5, below me. So... It could be worse, but it yes, was not the best opening be weekend in Pickham. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, well done. So we'll see how this how this next week. What are you guys thinking about this next week coming up? Because we got some interesting matches coming up too. Yeah, so I I thought it would be fun to go around and just kind of you know obviously we're going to be watching the team that we're interested in, but what's one of these other games? that is piquing your interest of like, gosh, I, I wouldn't mind checking that out when that, when that game comes on. I want to say Leicester city uh, and Burnley. I think that's going to be a pretty tight match. And um, of course um, I'm kind of, I see them as more rivals, but I think that's going to be a good match. And then also uh, I think that the big match that's going to have a lot of attention is Liverpool, Chelsea. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think obviously the Liverpool-Chelsea game, which is going to get a, a lot of, uh, it's going to get a, a lot of eyes on it, right? But uh, I don't want to pick that one mainly because, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know who to root for, right? I, I, I hate both so much. And so I'm just rooting for a 0-0 snooze fest so that Alex is bored out of his mind. And I'm also rooting for the continuation of the mis disappearing uh american from the team um for me I i'm curious and if aston villa is going to go ahead and start martinez right away and, and it, if if they do that's probably the game i want to tune in for because 
if you don't know, Martinez was was with Arsenal since he was 16 years old, never really got a shot, and yeah. really led us to the FA Cup victory, left on a very good terms, and, and very happy to see him getting a chance in the Premier League. And anytime we're not playing uh, against them, I will be rooting for him to get a clean sheet. So as soon as that becomes – if he if he gets called out as, as this will be his first game, then – you know, that's who I'm going to going to be watching and intrigued by. So I think the other one that interests me is Wolves taking on Man City. Uh, neither of the Manchester teams made their debut last weekend. Um, I'm interested to see what both of them will do. And I think the matchup against Wolves is just kind of the more entertaining one than Manchester United taking on uh, Crystal Palace. Um, but uh, that's that's the one that I think I have in mind. Uh, to try to check out. Well, I think as a Wolf supporter, obviously, you know, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. And as excited as I was with our win uh, against uh, Sheffield United, I think a lot of this view, this is the match where we're really going to see what we need to work on and where, how good are we really this season, at, at least at, at the beginning. Thankfully, we still got some time in the transfer window. So, we may find some areas that we're doing better than we thought. We may find some areas that, oh, we got to sign someone tomorrow. Right wing back. I am uh, expecting a very tough game on Sunday, basically early afternoon. Liverpool showed that they have some holes, and I think they're good enough to plug them. And so any hope I have of a whole bunch of new attacking talent getting to feast on poor defending is probably going to be closed off and uh and we'll just have to see if those guys can and if they won't and uh and what that does for Christian Pulisic's chances of course he's got to find a way to keep himself healthy for more than two games at a time and for me I think also a shout out and for me looking at the Arsenal game we play West Ham I feel like it's going to be another easy victory I'm really hoping that Aubameyang puts a uh, exclamation point on signing his extension to uh, with a hat trick just to kind of really rub it in the fact that we have signed him and he specifically said he wants to go down in history as a legend and for him to do that that means you got to bring in some trophies that are bigger than the FA and the Community Shield so let's start it now let's start making a big run and building up a a, a lead as, as one of the big issues that Arsenal's had in years past is the games that we should win easily we seem to either tie or lose and so Let's go out there. Let's win the games we should and see what happens. And so that's what I'm excited about. Well, also want to mention, uh, it looks like it, it sounds dull on paper, but Newcastle, Brighton, these are both sides that need to turn the corner, that both of them need to show that they've got some life to them. So that could potentially be a very interesting match. And I think what you're pulling out there is something that, you know, all the pro-rel zealots of the u.s love but never talk about in the second match of the season is these matches versus those teams that are pegged to be bottom of the table are hugely important in european football and so i think it's a great call out there jeff because that game could be the difference in in one of those two teams um getting to stay up or going down the championship yeah well i think it's also going to set a tone that that's going to carry them through because if they can get onto a good run, they might be fine or they could collapse. Obviously your, your 
very much against promotion relegation, Adam. So you think that this is worse than what happens in American leagues where a team like Brighton or Newcastle by now is basically saying, oh, our star player is injured. We're just going to leave him out for the whole season so we can get a high draft pick and uh, and play really horrible, lifeless, whatever sport it is we're playing. That's That's better to you, right? Well, this is getting really awkward quick. Yeah, so 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 yeah, I actually I'm going to say yes, I do, cuz I do believe that there's value in knowing that your team's not going to be wasting money and having to figure out how to get rid of star players in order to survive when they drop down to to championship or league 1 like you deal with in European football. And let's not kid ourselves. Um it's just the same six teams yo-yoing back and forth. If they made a 25 team table, um, in the Premier League, no, there would be no need for movement because it's the same teams every year. So let's not act like this is a big difference. Like the, the difference here is you've got six quality teams, the occasional runner that might get something done. But other than that, there's six teams playing for a championship, and four, 10 teams playing for nothing, and four teams that are fighting to not be the bottom three. That's all you get every year. And that's got to get old for those teams. And so at some point, someone's going to have to realize that this is not a miracle, amazing thing. Sometimes it just sucks to be a middle table. I would much rather be a fan of a team like the Philadelphia 76ers who were terrible for five years, but when they're done, they can actually win a championship than be a fan of someone like Everton, who we all know is never going to win anything. So yeah, I'm okay with the close system in the U.S. All right. Well, I'll let you have the last word on that because I really was just trying to poke a bear. Um, <laughs> and that brings us to everyone's favorite i'm sure most folks have basically fast forwarded the rest of the program it's time for the biggles wade report we have uh sad days over at second meadow uh biggles wade united traveled to cambridge town and uh, got put on the back foot early and ended up on the wrong end of a 4 nothing smackdown over the weekend in the FA preliminary cup round. Uh, and then, unfortunately, on Tuesday, as we were celebrating the Chattanooga Red Wolves win over Omaha, uh, they yet again, in the space of about eight minutes in the first half, went down 3 nothing, uh, 3 nil, as we would say, and... Uh, they were able to fight back a couple goals, but still in the first game of their Spartan South Midlands Premier League uh, debut, they went down to Newport Pagnelltown. So um, tough times. Sorry to hear about that. They will be hosting Potton United in the FA Vase. The FA Vase is a tournament that comprises all of the non-league soccer teams in England. Um, so that's just kind of a lower tournament, kind of like the uh, that college was. I think it's called the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational. It's like a tournament that no one really hears about. With uh, Biggleswood FC, however, they were able to win one nothing against Histon um, on their uh, on their twitters. You see a highlight of the uh, headed goal. It was a, it was a very good goal uh, to put them past. So they are moving on to the first qualifying round. Uh, we'll be taking on uh, Eli City. And uh, this Saturday, they are hosting a game at home 
and I don't remember who exactly they're playing, but it's the first game of their Southern Division One. So good luck to you guys, uh, as well as this weekend, Biggleswade Town begins their season as well. So that is your uh, Biggleswade report. Things heating up over in uh, Biggleswade. Thanks, as always, Alex, for that update. Um, and, and, you know, if you guys listen to us, take a chance to, to go out to YouTube and catch one of these um, Biggleswade streams that, that that's out there. Um, it's actually quite entertaining. And, and I think you, you've pointed out before, um, the levels, you know, can vary anywhere from, you know, kind of an MPSL, UPSL level quality play. But you get a chance to see, like, true, like, just love of the game being played out there and, and passion and it's, it's entertaining. So thanks for bringing it to our attention. All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else they would like to add? No, I don't. So I think on that note, uh, thanks, uh, Jeff for joining us at, at making the show actually a little bit better which is not really that hard but thanks so much for joining us jeff <laughs> no problem hey enjoy it guys all right well tickets have been sold out for chattanooga red wolves and greenville uh that was announced here uh wednesday evening just before we started recording this so uh if you're not able to come to the stadium if you don't have your ticket then make sure to check it out on espn plus kickoff is at one o'clock and uh, if you if you see us over in the supporter section, come over and give us a socially distant, awkward wave and uh, we'll be just as awkward back. And uh, don't forget to reach out to us on uh, on social media, on Twitter and uh, and me and Adam on Facebook and let us know what you think of the show. And uh, for everyone else. Bye.